Where are you going? Children's Church. Oh, you're so sweet. Good morning, church family. Let me encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and look with me to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19 as we are on this journey with the nation of Israel as they are becoming God's covenantal people. This is a journey that we will see repeated several times following the Exodus in the life of the nation of Israel. They will camp here at Sinai for approximately one year, and this narrative of their encampment at Sinai encompasses a whole lot of the Pentateuch. It takes us from Exodus chapter 19, roughly, through the first seven, eight, nine, ten chapters of the book of Numbers. And then the rest of the book of Numbers is the narrative of the nation of Israel journeying again. They're wandering in the wilderness. In fact, that wandering in the wilderness is similar to what they did when they came out of the nation of Egypt. They wandered in the wilderness, and they will wander there in the wilderness until we get to the end of the book of Numbers, and then for the most part, the entirety of the book of Deuteronomy is a narrative of the life of the nation of Israel encamped again, encamped this time on the east side of the Jordan. And in both cases of their encampment here at Sinai and again on the east side of the Jordan, we have this marvelous interaction between God and his people where God is very clearly communicating to his people who he is. And in this narrative today in the book of Exodus, God is reminding his people or instructing his people that he desires for them to intentionally prepare to worship him. God desires for his people to intentionally prepare to worship him. In this context, this narrative of worship is going to be seen in the revelation of God himself. It is worship when God communicates to his people. In fact, that's what worship is in our lives to this day. Worship is us hearing from a sovereign, holy, good, triune God. And just like God is calling the nation of Israel to intentionally prepare to worship him, so too has God called you and me in our daily lives to be men and women of faith who live out that faith with great intentionality. Notice how this narrative begins here in Exodus chapter, in Exodus chapter 19. You remember last week, the Lord makes this revelation to the nation of Israel, and he gives them this revelation for a very specific specific purpose. God wants his people to walk in obedience to him. He wants them to be an obedient people. We understand the concept of obedience, do we not? 
For there to be right relationships, there's got to be some sense of, of obedience. Think about it in the context of, of the home. There will be great disruption in the home if the children are not being obedient. There will be great disruption in the context of the workplace if the employees are not being obedient to the employer. And as God has called his people to himself here at Mount Sinai to make this revelation, this declaration of who he is, God is laying for the people a foundation of response to him. And what is that foundation? Obedience. For the nation of Israel to walk rightly with God, they must walk obediently. And friends, so too is the case for you and me today as we walk in relationship with the Lord. God has revealed himself to you and me, and God has expected that we will respond in obedience to what he commands of us. We come to this passage of Scripture as we march toward chapter 20 where we will see this divine revelation of God to himself where we get this, uh, these two tablets, the Ten Commandments. We see this text now of Moses coming down out of the mountain to respond to the people. And, and notice how the people respond. God tells them, I want obedience. And the children of Israel are going to respond and say, Lord, we desire obedience as well. Look how they say it here in verses 7 and 8. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all the words that the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said what? All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. By the way, this narrative of God communicating to his people and the people responding back to the Lord, hey, we desire to walk in obedience, is going to be a narrative that we will see played throughout the, the rest of the Pentateuch. In fact, God is going to reveal himself to the nation of Israel here in just a few moments, and that revelation is going to take us all the way through chapter 24. And look with me at the end of chapter 24. After the Lord has given to the nation of Israel his ten words, his ten commandments, and also uh, the book of the covenants, he fleshes out all these other laws that he wants them to know. Look how Israel responds to the Lord in Exodus chapter 24 and verse 37. Exodus 24, verse 37. Well, wait a minute. Verse 7. Thank you. I wrote it down wrong. I remembered it wrong. Verse 7, then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, all that the Lord has spoken, what? We will do, and we will be what? Obedient. Don't you want this to be the mission statement of your children at home? 
All that mom and dad has said, we will do. But friends, ultimately, don't you want that to be your mission statement before the Lord? Isn't this, is, isn't, isn't this what God is calling us to through the gospel? God is redeeming, even today, a people to himself. And the purpose of that redemption is that we w- might walk rightly before the Lord. That we might delight in, in his law. That we might be that man of, of Psalm 1. That we might be people who want to wake up every day and walk faithfully before the Lord. Here's the nation of Israel. In sincerity... Friends, that's my friend Chief back there. And I just have to tell you, every Sunday morning after church, he comes out the back of the church, and to me, that's what his voice sounds like when he's telling me about my sermon every Sunday. (laughs) Chief, would you please silence your phone or turn it off for us? Oh, I went too long. That's what it was. Miss Melanie, I know you're trying to work with him. We'll get him there, okay? Where were we, Matthew, Joshua? The rooster was crowing. (laughs) Exodus chapter 19. This is what God is calling us to in the gospel. God is redeeming for himself a people even now. And through that redemption, God is calling you and me to delight in him. This is what the nation of of Israel is doing in their response to the Lord. They're delighting in the law of the Lord. And don't you love the sincerity of their faith here? Oh Lord, whatever you command of us, Everything that you have spoken, Lord, we will do it. Perhaps you've read the rest of this narrative and you know the conclusion. Will Israel do it? Will Israel continue to respond with this beautiful response of obedience? Or will she find more delight in the things of the world? We'll wait and see as the narrative unfolds. The people express their desire to walk with God in obedience. And look what happens here in verses 8 and 9. Verses 9, God desires for his people to have faith in him. He communicates his desire for them. God, too, desires for his people to walk faithfully. Look at, look at verse 9, and the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. This is what God is desiring for the nation of Israel. He's desiring them to have faith in God. Faith in God for how long? 
forever. This is what God is desiring of his people. Now, this is not surprising to us. This is the same word that we see the Lord using back in Exodus chapter 4. In fact, four or five times in Exodus chapter 4, God is going to use this same verbiage with Moses as he's preparing Moses to go to the nation of Israel and lead the children to freedom. Listen at what the Lord says to Moses in Exodus chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not do what? Believe me, or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. Moses is saying, Lord, they're not going to have faith in me. They're not going to believe this narrative in, in any measurable way. And then look what the Lord says to Moses. Again, in, in verse 4, that is communicated here in verse 5. The Lord's going to speak to Moses. And he's going to talk to him about uh, his, his rod. Verse 5, that they may do What? believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has indeed appeared to you. Verse 8, if they do not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. Verse 9, if they will not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, you shall take some of the water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground, and the water you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. God is calling the nation of Israel to believe. God is calling the nation of Egypt to believe. And here at the foot of Mount Sinai, as Moses prepares to make this declaration on behalf of the Lord of exactly who he is and what he expects of his people, the foundation of that relationship must be faith and obedience. For without faith in the Lord, for without belief and trust and hope in God's Word, the nation of Israel will not be sustained. She will not continue, continue faithfully with the Lord. And so too, friends, is it in our lives. This is why we see so many warnings throughout the, throughout the New Testament, giving warning to you and me that we should walk rightly before the Lord, that we should persevere in faith. Why the temptation of the human heart is to leave the God that we love. So the foundation has been set. It's one clearly communicated, it's one clearly understood, and it's one joyfully responded to. Now look at the parameters God is going to set for the nation of Israel here in verses 10 through 15 as he expects his people to prepare to worship him. What should they do specifically in their preparation to worship the Lord? Well, first, he tells them that they should wash themselves in verses 10 and 11. Look what he says. When Moses, said the words of the, when Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Okay, then, 
Go to the people and consecrate. Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments. The Lord is saying to Moses as he thinks about preparing these people that there must be intentionality as the people anticipate worship with God. How is this going to begin? Through a time of consecration. Through a time of intentionality. Through a time of of preparation. This is what this word consecrate designates. This is what it means. This is what it is communicating to you and to me and by extension, or to, to Israel and by extension to you and me. Look at the intentionality of what the Lord says. Go to the people and consecrate them when? Today. There is a sense of urgency in preparing one's heart and life in worship before the Lord. As we think about this moment of consecration, we think about our lives in response to the Lord. And we're reminded that we don't just worship the Lord on Sundays, even though we do, right? As believers, we should intentionally set aside this moment, this time, to come together as God's people to worship the triune God. But friends, as we think about our lives in relationship to the Lord, we don't have to go to a tabernacle or to a temple in order to worship the Lord and and hear from the Lord. The Bible tells us that we ourselves as believers are the temple of the Spirit. We have the Spirit of God abiding in us on a daily basis, even at this moment for everyone here who has confessed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and repented of their sins. You are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't have to wait for a special moment in order to engage the holy. There's a sense, friends, in which our lives before the Lord should be a daily, an every moment desire to consecrate ourselves before the Lord. There should never be a moment in which we are not intentionally setting ourselves aside, if you will, in preparation for worship, in worship. There should never be a moment in our lives where we're not intentionally pursuing holiness in our lives. Ultimately, this is what the Lord is calling the nation of Israel to, to be a distinct people, to be a people who are completely different or wholly other than any other people. And how should they do that? With intentionality, with consecration. And this, my friends, is what God is calling you and me as believers to every moment of our lives. May I ask you a question this morning? How intentional are you in your holiness? How purposeful Are you on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, to prepare your mind and your heart for action, for obedience with the Lord? 
God tells Moses, here, I want you to consecrate the people today for tomorrow we're going to have this engagement. They're preparing for this encounter with the holiness. How shall they do it? He tells them first that they should go and cleanse themselves. They should should bathe themselves. It's a symbolic representation of, of what God would ultimately do in their hearts and their lives. They're to set aside a moment in which they cleanse themselves, if you will, of of sin. It might purify their hearts and their minds as they prepare for this encounter with the Lord. And by the way, this narrative of consecrate yourself today for tomorrow, God is going to do something incredible, is a narrative that we see also played out and several other important moments, four important moments in the Pentateuch. Let me, just, let me just mention one of them. Actually, this one is actually outside the Pentateuch. It's at the very beginning of the book of Joshua. Look with me, if you will, in the very beginning narrative of the book of, of Joshua as we see Joshua making ready the people for a very intentional time. Joshua chapter 3. Israel's on the east side of the Jordan. They're there. All they have to do is now cross this this Jordan. And look at chapter 3, verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. When were they to consecrate themselves? Today, right now, at this very moment, for tomorrow, the Lord was going to use the nation of Israel in a mighty way as they cross over to the Jordan, there into Jericho, and defeated these pagan peoples. God is calling his people today, at this moment. Would you do that today, friends? Would you be intentional today? about your relationship with the Lord. I understand, friends, even in my own heart and life, there are, there are moments in which a day passes, and if we're not careful, a week has passed. And we still have the Spirit of God residing in our hearts and our lives. But we're not being intentional. He says, wash yourself. Then notice what he says after he calls them to wash themselves. He says, I want you to set some limits. Set some limits in terms of your engagement with me. Why? These were limits that would remind the nation of Israel of who they were and who God is. It, was, it would be limits that would remind the nation of Israel that God is completely, totally holy, and they are not. Look how the narrative reads, verse 12, and you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. The Lord is saying to Moses, set some limits in terms of the people's engagement with me. 
And notice how these limits were to be set. They were to set out actual markers around. The Lord is trying to get a lot of our attentions this morning, isn't he? Sometimes he does it through the cell phone. Not just chief, would the rest of you please silence your cell phones? He wants them to set limits. Set limits in terms of how close they can actually come to, to this mountain. And not only limits for the nation of Israel themselves in terms of the people, but, but even for their animals. Their animals shall not get close to violating God's law here. They're to set limits for who? For all the people. These limits were to be applicable to everyone. They were not to go up into the mountain or even touch the edge of the mountain. And notice how serious God is about the people's obedience in this way. If you get too close, or if you touch the mountain, you shall be killed. This isn't only for people, it's also for the animals. But then notice what happens to the person who is killed for violating God's holiness. If you violate God's holiness and are killed or taken out, no one else can even touch you. There's a seriousness with which God communicates to His people how they are to respond to who He is. There is no laissez bon ton roule in relationship to God and His people. There is only seriousness, intentionality. You say, well, gracious, the Lord is a hard judge. Well, see, friends, one of the things we learn about God is that He is the divine Creator. And because He is the divine Creator, because He has made you and me, because He has created everything that we, that we experience in life and know, He has the right to set the rules to the game of life. Not only is he's creator, but he is completely, totally holy. And his holiness demands that he be a good and fair and just God. And the Bible tells us, the law of God tells us, the word of God tells us that a violation of the law of God, a violation of the holiness of God demands... God's judgment and God's justice and God's justice and judgment against sin is death. We hear it this way from Paul in the book of Romans. The wages of sin is death. See, friends, the God of the Old Testament is not any different than the God of the New Testament. 
The God of the Old Testament gave us his word and he expected his people to walk rightly before him. And when they did not, there were always consequences. He was a God of justice. And the God revealed to you and me in the New Testament through the Son of God, Jesus, is the same God revealed in the Old Testament. A God who has given to you and me his word and a God who will execute justice according to that holy word. Friends, God's standards of holiness and justice as revealed in the Old Testament are no different than God's standards of holiness and justice as revealed in the New Testament. It's not God's understanding of justice and holiness that has changed. It's our understanding of justice and holiness that changes. And too oftentimes, friends, our understanding of holiness and justice is not derived from God's Word. It's derived from culture. And when we look at culture, we think, is it really all that serious of a deal? For a man to claim that he loves another man and to be married to him? Is it really that bad? Is it really that awful? Is it really that bad for someone to to drink and drive and to get drunk? Is it really that awful? Is divorce really that bad? After all, I don't want to live with that crazy lady all the days of my life. She's not crazy every day. I don't want you guys to think that. <laughs> and, 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 and so we get legislators who will pass things such as no-fault divorce. Is it really that bad? Is lying... Is lying really that bad? Should we really prosecute this young 20-year-old man because he stole billions from people? He really didn't know what he was doing. Is it really that bad? But then we hear from the Lord that idolaters and liars and those who practice immorality and those who practice homosexuality shall not 
inherit the kingdom of God. Friends, it is always a serious violation for you and for me to violate the law of God. And there are consequences to our rebellion against God. God wants the nation of Israel to take serious His commands. Why? Because He ultimately wants the nation of Israel to imitate His character. It's not only God's holiness that is at stake here, if you will, the revelation of that. It's also His people's holiness that's at stake. They are to imitate who He is. So God is saying, set limits. Set standards. And what will those standards do, friends? What will those limits do in our lives? They'll guard our hearts. They'll guard our holiness. They will promote our holiness. And we will avoid the chastisement of God. God is serious about His standards. Consecrate yourselves. When today, right now, at this moment, wash yourself. Set limits. And then notice what he says at the end of verse 15. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day and do not go near a woman. God gives them the third standard. Avoid sexual engagement as you prepare for this encounter of worship. Now, is God communicating here that sexual engagement between a husband and a wife is, is a bad thing or a dirty thing or something that we need to be cleansed from? No. You know what the Lord, I believe, is communicating through this text? He wants the people's priority in this moment to be exclusively focused on Him and God is saying to his people, and one of these gifts that I've given you that's good, that's great, that's glorious, that you should engage in, I want you to hit the pause button. So in hitting that pause button, your focus, your intention, is solely and completely on the Lord. By the way, this is a similar word that we get from Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul encourages the regular engagement of husbands and wives sexually, but he says, in moments in which you are coming together for a period of prayer and fasting, what do you do? You hit the pause button. Why? For in those moments, your focus is exclusively on the Lord. And ultimately, friends, he's using this example of sexual engagement to be a depiction of what God expects of us in the totality of life. God expects of you and me to always be living our lives in pursuit of Him. See, friends, if there's anything in your life that is of a greater priority or importance, or significance than knowing Christ, than knowing God, you've got your priorities misaligned. You too need to hit the pause button.
Perhaps you spend too much time reading the news. Perhaps you spend too much time watching TV shows. Perhaps you're, you're too engaged in, in sports. Perhaps you're too engaged in cars or the latest technology or, or even your work. All of those things can be good things. But if they serve as a substitute for our worship before a holy, good, great, and glorious God, God, through Moses, is saying to the nation of Israel, you need to hit the pause button. But it's not only the Lord through Moses that has communicated to us how you and I are to rightly live in relationship with the Lord. I want, to hear, I want you to hear a couple of texts of Scripture from three different authors in the New Testament. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. We know Paul didn't write Hebrews. We know Peter didn't write Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside what sins? What distractions? Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run the race with endurance that is set before us. How do we run that race, friends? With intentionality. Looking to whom? Jesus. Moses isn't communicating anything, any expectation to the nation of Israel and how they're to walk in holiness before the Lord than what the New Testament writers have set before you and me. Look to Jesus, friend. Make Jesus the focus of your attention. Make Jesus the object of your life. Passionately pursue him. How? By laying aside all these things in life that are continually pulling at us for our attention and our affections. Lay them aside. Look what Peter told us in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. A passage that we referenced last week. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and following. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. And because you are God's people, it ought to determine what? How we live our lives rightly before him. So I urge you, verse 11, as sojourners and exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The author of Hebrews commands us to live in a different way. Peter commands us to live in a different way and Let's look to the Apostle Paul 
in Ephesians. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians likewise tells you and me to live in a different way. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Why? There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is who is over all and through all and in all. And then look what he tells him at the end of Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord, verse 10, and in the strength of his might. Live your lives every day with great consecration and intentionality by doing what? Putting on the full armor of God. A daily preparation and intentionality of marching forward and faithfulness to the Lord. Why? Because every day and every moment of every day is an act of worship on my behalf and your behalf. And God calls his people to intentionally prepare, to intentionally prepare to worship him. What's that preparation look like in your life today? What's that preparation look like in your family's life? More than the nation of Israel, you and I have the full written revelation of God's Word. There is no excuse for every one of us seated in this auditorium this morning that we are not the people that God has designed us to be, a people who delight and saying to the Lord and doing before the Lord, we will do your word. Is that you this morning, friend? Do you delight in obedience before the Lord? Are you being intentional on a daily basis in your relationship with the Lord? If not, Pastor Ryan read those beautiful words of Scripture earlier in worship. A verse that applies to each of us on a daily basis. Why? Because on a daily basis, we fell at that preparation and intentionality. We fell at worship. We fell at holiness. And we hear those sweet words, if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we stand before you as a people in need of your cleansing. For we confess before you this morning that we are a people that don't consecrate ourselves daily. 
For we are a people who don't moment by moment walk with intentionality. For we are a people who so easily step over those boundaries that you've laid before us, seeking to satisfy the passions of our flesh. And we ask you this morning, Lord, by your Spirit, that you would enable us to be your people who delight in the law of the Lord, who meditate on it day and night, so that we can be that tree planted firmly by the streams of water whose leaves do not wither. Would you take a few moments where you're seated this morning and reflect on your own life? Perhaps in this moment, as a believer, you need to make a confession to the Lord. Would you confess to Him all the ways this week that you failed to consecrate yourself? As you offer that confession before the Lord, would you ask Him for the strength this week, this moment, today, to be intentional in your consecration before the Lord? Would you confess to the Lord that you would do it today? Consecrate yourselves today. Would you ask the Lord's help in doing that in your life today? Perhaps you're here, friend, and you don't have a right relationship with the Lord. So the idea of consecration is foreign to you or can never happen in your heart and your life because you're far away from the Lord. And you stand under God's judgment. But today you've heard the truth of God's Word and God has convicted you of your own sinfulness and your need to consecrate yourself to repent of your sins and to turn to him would you cry out to the lord today confessing him as lord for the scripture says if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you shall be saved in just a moment we're going to stand and corporately respond to the preaching of god's word by by singing as we sing, perhaps you're here and you have questions about what it means to trust in Christ. As we sing, myself and Pastor Travis will be standing down front. It would be completely appropriate for you to come forward and ask one of us what it means, what it looks like for you to trust in the Lord, to have faith in Jesus. Perhaps you'd like for one of us just to pray with you, that indeed you would be one who today consecrates your life for holiness, that the Lord would grant you the strength to be the believer that he's called you to be, to live rightly before him. We would delight in shepherding your heart by praying for you. And thirdly, perhaps God has convicted you that this is a church family that you need to be connected to to live out your life on mission with him. This would be an opportunity for you to express your interest 
and being part of this faith family. Lord, as we respond to you now, we ask that our responses may be pleasing to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing?